Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to Menlo Midweek, everyone. I'm Mark, and today, Jessica's out, so we have... I'm back. Keith is in the He's building. Back, I know. The Jimmy G of Menlo Midweek. Jimmy G's back. back. <laughs> Ready to lead us to another victory, folks. Yes. There's a studio <laughs> audience going off. And we have our campus pastor of San Mateo, Matt Stefan. Right. Yeah. Great to be here. Excited. Chat shit with you fellas. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It was really fun. And you, I loved listening to you. We were, I was actually on campus this morning listening to the message, which I don't always do. Sometimes I do. But whenever someone was like, who's speaking today? And I have yet to say Matt Stefan, just a smile would light up on their face. Uh, like, that, that guy's great. We love uh, that guy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Honored to be here. And, uh, you know, this is something for me that helps me feel like we're one church. And mm-hmm. it was a delight. Wow. And we got to kick off our Advent series this week. What a gift that was, Matt. What a gift. Nice. What wow. a gift. Yeah. Nice. If the jokes remain at this caliber, <laughs> yeah. we'll, have to, we'll so have to far. think about that. Those are our best ones, honestly. Uh, yeah. You know, growing up, I don't know about you guys, I came from such a like non-liturgical tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Advent, I, I don't think I heard actually heard the word till I was like 26 or 27. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, thinking about this as a demarcated section of the calendar where something's special supposed to happen spiritually is really fun so mm-hmm. yeah launching it today was a gift i was thinking about how i don't think i ever really heard anything about christmas in church until you know much later in life so it's fun yeah really fun and right on the heels of thanksgiving that was this past week what did you guys do i'm curious as to see what your traditions were like growing up and mm-hmm. if you carried mm-hmm. those into mm-hmm. what you do now keith yeah. what about you yeah yeah uh, let's see. Our traditions were always mostly just show up uh, to my great grandmother's <laughs> house uh, <laughs> and eat. And eat, nice. and eat. Uh, yeah. So in many ways, my traditions are still the same. I show up somewhere and I eat a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. people count on me for eating a lot. Eating a lot of pie, especially pie mm. is kind of like my Thanksgiving. Mm. Like, yeah, which, it's not which Thanksgiving pies? Pie. Uh, I'm pretty partial to all pies, but I really <laughs> from the south. <laughs> Uh, pecan pie really hits the spot for me on mm. Thanksgiving. Interesting. Um, and I find those tricky well, to cook. It's hard to cook a good are. pecan they pie. They are. Mm. That's, um, that I typically honestly would just go to the store and buy one, especially in Houston. If you're ever in Houston, go to a place called House of Pies, uh, and they've got great pie there. So I would normally just you got to know a spot though. You got to know the spot. Buy a, you can't a just buy like a Safeway spot. pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so this year we just, um, we have some friends that we've been meeting up for the last, I guess this is our third kind of Thanksgiving together. And so we just did that since we're all kind of from distance from our families. Yeah. It's easier just to stay here all together. And so it was nice. Yeah. Do you have a pie spot here? I've still kind of been looking, to be honest. Um, I've tried a few different spots on recommendations. There is this one little pie spot that's pretty good out of Half Moon Bay. Uh, So if you go over the, the... to the to the one you take a left uh-huh. and you get to the first red light and you u-turn 
And then yeah. on your right is yeah. Dad's Luncheonette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delicious spot, mm -hmm. as always. Mm -hmm. But right next to it's a pizza pie spot. And they do pizza and then also pie. Uh -huh. <laughs> Double take on pie. Uh, and they have pretty good pie. They okay. have The key lime was the best that I've got in there. Mm -hmm. right. But I'm still looking for my pie spot in the Bay Area, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we need some recommendations. Yeah. So you're, please send them in. If you're listening, yep. comment on the post. Email Keith. Yes. Yeah. Please. How about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, we were supposed to go visit family. That was always a, a big deal. My Growing up, both sides of my family, ton of aunts and uncles, <clears throat> you know, 30, 40 cousins, that type of thing. Um, and we were going to do that this time, but we go to visit Katie's family, my wife, and they all got the flu or COVID. Mm. So <laughs> last minute we were uh, having yet another... Pandemic yeah. pivot, called yeah. the Audible, stayed Ugh. home. My kids were furious. I think they're still mad. Did they eat cereal? No. Did you give them cereal they, to try to make up yes, for it? Yes, they did. That okay. has been, okay. nice. uh, you know, mixed results as a parenting strategy, yeah. but definitely one yeah. I go to often. Just give them sugar <laughs> and leave the house. Perfect. Leave That's that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a pretty good pumpkin pie. That's my favorite. Nice. I try to good. eat the whole thing. Yesterday morning, though, eating about the remaining full third with like a cup of coffee that's where i think the real pie action is yes. breakfast pie breakfast pie absolutely so and that underrated. wasn't something growing up but that's how my pie affinity has evolved mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's great that's yeah. great what about you mark growing up we would it was i lived right next to my grandpa so it was my house my grandpa's house and my my auntie and uncle and two cousins lived with my grandpa and he loved to get the family together to host thanksgiving which meant Thanksgiving would be at my house and hosting, he would host and cook. The hosting was at my house. So he just offered up my mom and my dad's house and he would cook by giving me 20 bucks and sending me to Costco to go get Costco pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so then my mom would make all of the traditional, I'm going to say white, white kind of food. Sure. Yeah. And then my dad's side of the family is Japanese. So they would bring all the like Japanese sushis, oh. somen salad, like just kind of non-traditional or like yeah, Hawaiian yeah. food. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be a good mix of Hawaiian, Japanese, and traditional turkey, mm. mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy. So I love Thanksgiving. It's like, it's yeah. probably my favorite holiday just because I get to eat all my favorite yeah. foods in yeah. one day. Yeah. It's yeah. great. And there were, this time there were four soccer games and three football games. Yeah. And I was thinking a different younger version of Matt Stefan would be yeah. Like yeah. 5 a.m. to midnight. Yeah. 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 Did you get to watch any games this year? Uh, <laughs> In this version of you? Not really. Not like watch, yeah. watch. Yeah. The era of watch, watching. Yeah. Do uh, you have to reserve that for the Chiefs only? That's like, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I only get to watch, watch very select sporting <laughs> events. That's so funny. <laughs> I know that life. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not, I don't not know that life now, yeah, yeah. but I'm not a big sports guy in yeah, general. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. Eh. I wish I really could be. I'm actually yeah. very jealous about people that have like this affinity towards their team or yeah. their sport and yeah. they're so into it and they know. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I know yeah. how to play it, but sure. I never watch so yeah. I'm jealous. I think your problem, Mark, is you're too athletic. I feel this way some mm. sometimes with soccer growing up playing it. I don't like to watch it that much. Yeah. I'll watch the World Cup, but even my hometown team, I'm like, nah, it mostly just gives me an itch to go play. Yeah. And I, if I was going to have three hours to do something, I'd rather go outside and yeah. do it. Yeah. So why well, watch yeah. Steph Curry when you can play just that well, Mark? You know, that's the question <laughs> that I'm sure goes through your brain all the time. Exactly. Like, why yeah. am I not on the why Warriors? Not? Yeah. <laughs> I think about that the, all the time. The question we have all been asking ourselves, 
where's the good Bay Area pie spot? Yeah. And why is Mark not a warrior? That's true. Yeah. So, no. yep. Well, yeah. If you're a warrior scout, hit me up. Text me. Check out my guy, Mark Morinishi. <laughs> Text our online team at 650-0402. And we'll we'll link at that for you. But Matt, you got to kick off and kind of shape this Advent series. So before we get into your message specifically from today, yeah, what are your hopes for Advent? What what went into thinking about this series? Mm-hmm. Yeah, were, were there other ideas that that we had to sort through to get to where we landed? Yeah, no, all good questions. Um, preaching at Christmas, you know, is just such an interesting task. And this is for one reason or another, like my third Advent in a row mm-hmm. of being in the driver's seat for the Sunday content. So really getting to reflect on, um, you know, what does and doesn't change about delivering Christmas style Jesus messages. Mm -hmm. Um, they have to center around, center around, uh, Matthew 123, Emmanuel, right? Jesus with you. Um, and thinking through like, really that is the through line of all Christianity, right? Of that I'm as a believer filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus has promised to be present with me. So how do we bring that out in different ways is, is like such an interesting experiment. Um, one of the things we're really working with this time is around uh, how have we been spiritually formed by the world around us in such a way that makes uh, experiencing the presence of Jesus harder. And we need a counter formation to be kind of reprogrammed, reformatted, to sense the presence of Jesus, to feel his guidance uh, in like our daily moment to moment sort of way. So that's really the driving force and where, you know, sometimes that um, spiritual reprogramming requires us to do things that we wouldn't naturally be doing. So this time it's slowing way down and sometimes... um, that could be scary and intimidating and we feel like we're going to miss out. And any person with a device in their pocket has a weird fear of missing out on mm-hmm. something somewhere. Mm-hmm. So how do we invite our church, our, our faith family here to slow their lives down? has been a, a major drive of this whole series. Um, and that's just our hope that they would find something much better in recognizing the presence of Jesus walking there with them. And, um, yeah. You know, sometimes when you tell the church community, hey, let's do this spiritual rhythm together, everyone during the sermon kind of nods. And then about 11 minutes after the service, they completely forget. So we'll see if we can emphasize it enough or repeat it enough or say it in novel ways that people actually slow down. But that's a big idea we're working with. That's great. I, I love that reminder for everybody that we are being spiritually formed. Uh, not just by what happens here at church, but our whole life and all the things around us are actually working it into our formation and to be mindful of that. I think a lot of people uh, forget to connect those pieces that right. mm-hmm. the culture, all of the other things in our life are also forming us and how are we being mindful towards those things. So I like that you're working that into this series. Yeah, we can um, wrongly think that the world out there outside of the church building is like morally neutral, spiritually neutral. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not helpful. And then, you know, I think behind the scenes, part of what we're working with is like we're being formed more into the image of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think that is a moral posture that I'm going to do good things that Jesus would do. But actually more of it is a awareness of God posture. Mm-hmm. And the morality that might be different for followers of Jesus 
flows naturally from being aware of God with you. And that's where we really need the spiritual formation, right? Mm -hmm. Is to learn, Jesus really is with me. Yeah. So. And that's a tough, that's a tough sell for me, Matt, to slow down during Christmas time. Right. Why? Why did you, why? why? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, there are easier times a year to slow down, right? So Mm -hmm. if the goal was to help people slow down, why didn't we start with like, uh, I don't know, slow down in April. I don't know. Right. Um, and I think it's the juxtaposition of, again, Matthew 1, 28, whatever it is. I always get the addresses wrong. I've never been in a Bible address guy. I feel like I confess that every time I'm on this podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry, Jesus. Uh, whatever the Emmanuel passages are, that's the main idea at Christmas, and yet we speed our lives up in a way where we can't experience it. And so kind of the, why do we have to slow down now is, that's the big idea. Jesus is with you in every moment. He promised to be. That's why we have Christmas. That's why it's such a wonderful time of year. And yet the lifestyle that we lead precludes us from experiencing that, specifically at this time of year. So how do we kind of make inroads of pointing people to the main idea a little bit more effectively? is that, but it is much harder this time of year. Next week, we'll talk about um, slowing down as an attitude more than Mm -hmm. it is a schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And the schedule helps train ourselves into the attitude, but, you know, part of what I hope people can experience is a slower spirit, even if you can't always have a slower schedule. And that has a good preacher's alliteration. I'm going to write that down real quick. Slow spirit, not slow schedule. (laughs) You, you had a line in your message today where you were talking about how Thanksgiving time, we're super grateful for what we have. And then the day after, it's like we're moving into the speed of what we want and yeah. the race towards getting it. And so I felt especially convicted in that moment, and I had to give myself grace. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's something mm-hmm. that you touched on a lot in this sermon was grace and, and the importance of it and how you define it. So can you give us a little bit of a summary about your message, and then we'll dive in from there? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we're exploring grace. And uh, the place where we started from um, was working our way through four misconceptions that we often have. And part of that was exploring the way Jesus used the Greek word charis was in a new and confusing way. And he was deploying a word that everyone would have known, but using it in a way that was completely, you know, flabbergasting to people. And I think we find ourselves in the same place. you know, post-Christian society or whatever we might call it, knows the word grace, but we're very fuzzy about what it means. And we're even fuzzier on how it should impact our lives. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wanted to just kind of clear the ground of the misconceptions, right? And the misconceptions, uh, let's see if I can remember my own sermon, right? That grace somehow means low standards, that you might be somehow ineligible for the gift of grace. Three was more of an objection that we actually just prefer earning it, Mm -hmm. right? Especially in the Bay Area. And four was, how can we say that grace is this good gift when life is so hard? Mm -hmm. And just to kind of draw the thread through, it's the presence of Jesus that provides satisfactory answers to those queries was my hope for the message. Uh, And yeah, finding, I think part of the message I shared, like spiritually in this last two, three months, I've just been sitting, trying to sit with these really simple truths. Um, and actually this whole message and this whole series stems from like this one really bad day I was having. 
um, <laughs> like in September <clears throat> and you know, you just have bad days sometimes. This was like a really bad one. And I just had this thought, what if I tried on a lens of self-compassion about this bad day? Just see what happened. And what came out uh, like of my mouth were these very simple truths. I'm a sinner. Jesus loves me. He wants me to love other people. Those are the, actually mm-hmm. the main things mm-hmm. in my life. And all the other stuff that I'm feeling bad about today needs to be filed somehow under those. And I was just really sitting with, oh, Jesus loves me in this way that I don't deserve at all. And he shows up to me in this way that I don't deserve at all. So wrestling from that kind of spiritual moment for me into these sermons, helping people maybe experience a little bit of, wow, like it really is so freeing. It really Mm -hmm. is so healing. It brings a wholeness to our soul and our life if we can just remember oh, Jesus loves me, and all the scurrying I do doesn't get me any more or less from him. Um, Yeah, it just feels really good to try to internalize that truth, I think. Those are four areas of grace that are, I feel like, at least for me, each one of those, I was like, man, I struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, those are so challenging. And how did you Mm -hmm. land on those four? Yeah, um... You know, I think just in my own life, wrestling with what does grace mean and how do I do it? How do I experience grace? How do I deliver it to others? Those are places where my ship has run aground trying to learn grace. Um, And I told a story about my friend, Chris, who's the executive pastor down at First Pres Honolulu. And him framing it as grace is something that we have to learn over the course of our lives Mm. was really helpful to me of like, well, yeah, everybody actually spends a season in all of these areas, Mm -hmm. right? So, and part of what is, you know, again, in the background of this sermon is we don't deserve it. Even if we make all the mistakes in this sermon, you know, that's kind of how I feel. I've gotten it all wrong. Um, gosh, Jesus still keeps showing up for me. Mm -hmm. And that's actually how we keep learning about grace, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, wrestling with that and sense of occasional spiritual failure. uh, That's, that's part of the sermon, I think. Yeah, definitely. And you used an especially challenging example for me, and that was talking about the serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, geez. (laughs) How did, why did you choose to include that? And the whole time I was like, this is a fascinating way to discern, like to describe grace. And what an example to, to illustrate the extremity in which God gives us grace. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it is, it's, is super interesting that there's a new Netflix show about it and that there was an outcry on the internet of, yeah, we can't sympathetically depict a guy like this, or that means we truly have no moral standards. Right. Mm And wrestling through the, like, the standards are very high and the grace is even higher, you know, is supposed to be how that part of the sermon works. And, um, yeah, the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, there is just so much there. It's so complicated, right? But what I hope to draw more attention to was not Dahmer's experience, but his pastor's experience mm-hmm. of, you know, reading Roy Ratcliffe's autobiography of, like, getting to 1994. Right. Yeah, Getting the yeah. phone call. Yeah. Someone in our local prison is asking to be baptized. Are you available? Sure. Showing up. And it's Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> like, that's a wild story. And then this guy really has to go through his own exploration of, mm-hmm. well, how powerful is God's grace? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, as a pastor, how willing am I to sit with somebody no matter what they've done, Mm -hmm. knowing that deep down they're made in the image of God and God loves them. So that might not have come across. And Jeffrey Dahmer is such a like fireworks example that Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of ignore that part of it. But the quotes from Roy Ratcliffe is what I find to like be really powerful in that. And then just, you know, as a pastor, you've always sat with somebody who did something they wish they didn't, that destroyed their whole life, that destroyed someone else's life. Um, And so, yeah, just kind of the, I don't know, pathos of watching the pastor try to bring grace to a horrific situation was really moving to me. But, and then, yeah, we also need to remember the scandal that grace is, is actually deeply scandalous, that God's forgiving people that Mm -hmm. we could never forgive, Mm -hmm. that God's forgiving us when we could never forgive ourselves. And you sort of need a slap in the face to remember how big grace really is. Um, Most people don't have like a, something that horrific in their autobiography, right? Or any touch points with anything so horrible. But um, I remember a missionary at Fuller Seminary. uh, He was stationed like in Darfur and he was working with uh, political prisoners who had committed genocide. And these were just foot soldiers doing what they were supposed to, you know, do at gunpoint. And he thought, oh, my ministry to these guys is to go tell them Jesus loves them no matter what they've done. And so listening to him reflect too, of like, there are just these moments where we don't always get a touch point with them. Mm -hmm. We live sheltered, very sheltered lives. And yet in the real trenches of genuine, horrific humanity, grace is real and Mm -hmm. up to the task and sufficient to change lives. And it could be hard, right? To Mm -hmm. point our eyes at that. So had to include something striking, remarkable, (laughs) memorable, just to help people remember, you know, oh, wow, Jesus really does love me in a way that I could never earn. Mm-hmm. My not being Jeffrey Dahmer does not earn me more love from Jesus. Um, that could be mad. We could say, don't I deserve more? Mm-hmm. Or we could say, wow, it's so freeing that my security, my sense of connection with Jesus is so strong that as far as we know, it cannot be lost. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. really freeing and wonderful, actually. Yeah. So, and yeah. Uh, that that perspective is so key in that to remove ourselves from our situation, our circumstance, and extend that a little bit. Well, look at that person. Yeah. And then, well, uh, that person will say, well, look at that person over there. At least I'm mm-hmm. not that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so that is just so key in remembering how God loves and God gives each unique person grace in their circumstance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we need to carry that perspective into how we're treating others, how we're treating ourselves, and not let that contextualize how we perceive and receive our grace from, from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. It's so good. Um, part of being a pastor these days is like dealing with the tension between we're an individualist society reading and studying a collectivist communal religion. And here you're, you know, working in that area of God has grace for all of us, and yet it is in wildly individualist ways, Mm -hmm. specific to our our autobiography, that only he knows, maybe we don't even know exactly, right? But God knows our particular story, giving grace to us in our particular individualist ways, nullifying any possible comparison, right? Right. And comparison really is the place where that's why we like earning it. 
you know, right. we prefer mm-hmm. a world where mm-hmm. we earn it because we like the feeling of successfully comparing ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. Even if we say we don't and we like try to come off humble sometimes and put out a good vibe. No, mm-hmm. we much prefer places. Even if I'm doing something that no one else is doing, I like to imagine there's somebody out there doing it in an inferior way. <laughs> then I can feel great about myself, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. that's part of the spiritual journey, wrestling that down. <clears throat> yeah. So many of those themes that y'all were just talking about come straight from Jesus, right? But they don't hit us as scandalous maybe as when he first said them, you know, like we've all become used to the prodigal son story. But yeah. for some to hear the prodigal son story was to almost hear a story like a Jeffrey Dahmer story, right? They're like, oh, yeah. how could mm. that person ever receive mm-hmm. this gift, right. you know? And, uh, or the parable about the workers in the field and the workers that came in later yeah. got paid the same yep, as the yep. workers that weren't working there all day. So a lot of that themeage, you know, obviously good job. You're drawing off Jesus, but, um, it's, <laughs> it doesn't hit us as scandalous sometimes. So I like the, your twist on some things to help us bring it into our context today to see that. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's tempting as a preaching pastor to tell everyone all those stories, you know, you just can't talk forever up there, but yeah, yeah. it is. Jesus yeah. constantly did jaw dropping, shocking things that were confusing to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So pastors can't do that because they get fired. Yes, so, yeah, that's right. true. Yeah. yeah. We need our job. <laughs> Thank you, Menlo Church. <laughs> love my job. That's love why it, I started it, my sermon it. with, I love my job, love the people I work with. <laughs> well, yeah. Matt, as, as the teacher, not only tasked with the overview, where are we going, where are we headed, where, what is the series about? You're also tasked with the first opening message of that series was it difficult not to be like man we got this and this and this coming i'm so excited or how did you whittle down all the themes and ideas into okay we're just landing at grace here we're setting is this a setup for what's to come no great question um something i like to do in my sermon craft is sit down and ask what kind of sermon is this and this is something that helps me at least try to be a little bit different every time and have a different architecture to my sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. Is this a sermon that ends on a big high rant or is this a sermon that has a lot of personal stories? Is this a sermon where we're working through the passage? Um, is this a sermon set to music? Like mm. it's an interesting question to say, what kind of sermon is this? And as I've, you know, made it a little ways into my preaching career, I've realized there's a particular genre, I think of, first sermon in a series because you can't say it all, Mm -hmm. but you need to invite people to the overall experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, yeah, you got to give a sermon that stands alone because half the people won't come back next week. And, you know, that's just kind of of the world that we live in. So how do I give them something really spiritually meaningful in a single dose? Mm -hmm. So I've come to think like working with a solid definitional Statement is a good way to do a first series, uh, first sermon in a series. And then what are the questions that that definition brings out of me? That's a way I do like to go to kick off a series. So, and especially around grace where it can be something that is hard to define and especially hard to like grasp or experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those things really help. So that's how mm-hmm. we landed here. And then, yeah, at the end of the sermon I did originally have a much longer this is what we're doing over the next four weeks you don't want to miss it but it was way too long so i just stuck with next week just give them one at a time i think it's good and you also invite everybody to our advent resources which is a great time for our commercial break to talk about menlo meditations coming to you (laughs) right after you listen to this podcast so matt i know you and mark do a lot with menlo meditations you want to talk about that highlight it for 
people? Yeah, no, I love Menlo meditations. Um, gosh, the short form audio is just such a gift. And mm-hmm. as a parent with two small kids, walking them to school every day, like just trying to micro, I was telling Mark, we're going to help people microdose Jesus in their morning routine <laughs> mm-hmm. for people that might otherwise believe, hey, it's hard for me to do something spiritual. <clears throat> with what I'm required to pull off every single morning. So really excited about that. And, you know, feel like I'm kind of the target audience of, by the time I get my kids to school, I do need three minutes with Jesus real badly. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, but Mark, uh, you know, he was the one that approached me this time. The first two seasons I was out there drumming up support for Menlo Meditations. Mm -hmm, But this mm -hmm. time Mark was like, hey, you want to do another one of these? So what were you thinking, Mark? It's just such a unique thing that we get to do. Mm. where we get to involve different staff members. This time we actually have volunteers as well that oh, are not nice. on staff. Yeah. Michelle Summers, shout cool. out to you. And it's, I love hearing different voices, different perspectives. I love that it is a, it, it is short form. It's set to music, which I think is uniquely powerful in itself. And I love that each week is pointed towards something that dealt with or involves some sort of theme from what we were studying the week before with that Sunday sermon as well as all of it is pointing towards this bigger theme of slowing down mm. during Christmas. So it's just like a great way to get a daily reminder, like you said, mm-hmm. of how we should start our day, what we, should, what we should be thinking about. But also just, I don't know, I just love the different people that are involved. And it's just especially fun to make for me, too. Yeah. It's such it a fun, fun time. It's a blast. Yeah. And I think about like my morning spiritual routines. Um, they're based a lot on like what I want to say to God each morning Mm -hmm. to have someone else tell me Mm -hmm. and like define the day for me, I think is an important part of the spiritual discipline to be on the receiving end. It's like, you know, you got to set up time for it and you got to actually point and click and all that stuff. But then to just be in the receiving posture, I think is really nice actually. So that's part of it. And they're written as God is talking to me. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll wake up and I'll be like, Oh, Matt Stefan sounds a lot like God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because I think it's true this season too. Like other people's voices are made for this format. Mine is not. I don't have like a great preaching voice. I'm always like, I, I like to be on a team where I'm the weak link. That way I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not too responsible for the yeah. success of this enterprise. But no, other people doing it, I, I think are really have voices that lend themselves to just sounding like Jesus. So oh. it's a joy to listen to. And we recorded the first two weeks already. We did. Wow. So already exciting. recorded. Wow. Yeah. Where and when can I find these amazing podcasts, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> well, they are coming out. If you're listening to this on Sunday, which you can't, cause this isn't going to come out until Wednesday. Sorry guys. But if you're listening to this on Wednesday, they're already out. Wow. Yep, they drop at 5 a.m. at the request of Matt Stefan. I originally released him at like 6 or 6.30 yeah, yeah, the, yeah. First, the first season. He was like, hey, some of us are up at like 5. <laughs> I was like, who's up? At- oh, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> so they come yeah. out at 5 every morning nice. from now until Christmas Day. Awesome. I call that the dad hour. Any dad can do whatever they want from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. I've learned about that. By 6 a.m., I'm going to be required to do something. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a great listen. And Matt, thanks so much for coming on today. If you could leave people with one lasting thought about grace to carry them into next Sunday, or for those that don't join us every Sunday, for the next two Sundays, what would it be? How can people think about grace, live out grace this week? Yep. Uh, It's simple. 
Jesus loves you. He's going to help you. He's present to you in ways that you don't deserve and you can't earn. And you could just receive it. That's it. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks so much for listening. And our hope is that this helps you connect deeper to Menlo Church throughout the week. We believe church doesn't just happen on Sundays. And this is just one of the ways you can connect with us and grow in your faith whenever and wherever you're listening. We'd love to come alongside you in prayer to encourage you or walk through anything that you're going through. All you have to do is text our online team at 650-600-0402. Thanks again for tuning in. This was Menlo Midweek.